Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ash Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Now, some of you have never listened to our show, so every week, we've been doing this now for over almost seven years. December was our first show. December 2016 was our pilot show. Each week, we have we interview a guest that will either A, teach us something about business, or if they're not going to teach us something about business, they may be a founder of a company and you're going to learn their success story, so maybe you can repeat it. But eventually, quite honestly, what you're going to do is going to learn something. That's the goal of each week. And everybody asks us, how do you spell the show A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, or actually why you spell it with E-N as opposed to I-A-N or Y-A-N. And if you've listened to the show before, you know. But some of us, because we always have to use the least common denominator, People have never been on the show. They don't know. So we will try to explain that, why we're spelling it with an E. Some people think that I'm Irish. My last name is O'Brien, but that's not the case. So it's not O'Brien. No one thinks that. Just so you know, no one thinks that. No one thinks that. You think that. No one thinks that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So anyway, Tracy's going to try to help people out and explain why Brian is spelled with an E. Well... I know exactly why Brian is spelled with an E, but I'm excited to be able to share that with our listeners today. But it would not be the Ask Brian show if we didn't introduce the first E as our extraordinary engineer. Yay! Where's the clapping? No clapping. I know, right? Your engineer is a little modest. I don't know if I deserve that, but thank you. Yes, you do. So you're saying, come on. The engineer, which begins with an E, is, she's trying to tell our audience that she doesn't have an ego. <laughs> no, there's only so much room oh. for, for some ego. So. <laughs> there's, That's enough, okay. there's enough egos in this room right now. That's right. I was about the room, to say the room is thing. Full. My ego is enough for everybody here. <laughs> um, all I have to say is you said it, not me, not Jennifer. <laughs> and I'm sure Jennifer already figured it out anyway. to about three years 
And then our show helps you, the listener, if you're a startup or if you're creating and starting a new side hustle and business venture, we can help shortcut your learning curve with our education that the show provides. Right, Peter? Absolutely. But I always like it to be ease because it really, 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 I am loving the show so much. It gets me really, really excited. And when you're really, really excited, you have a lot of enthusiasm. gave you something, Excedrin, then I need to get paid back for that. So what are you going to give me for the Excedrin no, that I gave no, you? No, 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 no. <laughs> You're not paying me back. I need you to give me some empathy is what I need you to give me, but I know you're not very capable of that, so I can never only heard, ask never, for some empathy. Never heard of that word, but I think you can buy it at Costco. Yeah, at a really big quantity and a really good price, so you should check it out. Okay. So we have such an amazing guest today that I really feel like that we have won the ease um, and made an exceptional point with our ease. So if you can just declare what my most favorite E is, and then we will move on to introduce our fantastic guest. Well, absolutely. That's exactly the direction I go. But if anybody watched the movie or the play Grease, everybody has that part where they go, Grease, lightning is... I don't know what the last word is. Electrifying. It's electrifying. It's electrifying. We are electrifying. Absolutely. We are electrifying. Yeah. If we didn't like get our guests to say, wow, I'm going to have to call the person that got me on this show because I'm not going to speak to that person again. And I don't know what I'm doing here or why I'm here. But I but really don't want to Tina, lose a friend over this, by the way. I really don't want to lose a friend over this. Can you be very gentle on Tina, please? Because, you know, <laughs> she is my friend. Well, let's see if there's a Tina Dietz in the audience. Come on down. The price is right. Oh, long throw. Woohoo! <laughs> Tina, are you there? I am completely here, and I am fascinated, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm glad that my first career was as a therapist, because I'd like to unpack this. <laughs> Well, you know, you're talking to a person whose current career is a lawyer, so that (laughs) my current career is is as an attorney, so that explains a lot of the eccentric behavior. Anyway, um, yes, (laughs) or pathology, as we could we could say pathology, (laughs) you know, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, we have therapist meets lawyer who is now audio producer meets. Radio show. This is a train wreck. It's going to be amazing. It's amazing. But for the audience that doesn't know you, Tina, why don't you give a little bit of a background? So, you know, who you are and what businesses you've been in before you started your current business. Then I want to hit the head running on your actual business. That's what the call is about. But I want to actually find out a little bit about your background. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I was in the unique position of having grown up in an entrepreneurial space. My parents started a business when I was about three years old and I'm an only child. So I, and we lived upstairs from my parents' retail business. So I was steeped like a tea bag in business from a really, really young age, started answering phones when I was four, going to trade shows when I was six and didn't realize how much that was going to impact my brain and the way I thought and everything 
until I got out in the regular working world. And my first career was as a therapist working with teenagers and young adults. And when I found out that essentially I was unemployable because I had too many ideas and I was moving too fast for most bureaucratic systems. So I ended up over the years uh, working in higher education, starting nonprofits, becoming a business coach and consultant where I work with more than 20 industries in eight countries, and then ultimately got brought back to the company I have today, which is going to sound like a jump after all of that, which is producing nonfiction audiobooks and podcasts for leaders worth listening to, and that company is Twin Flames Studios. Wow. Wow, that's very good. And when did you start Twin Flames? Back in about 2015. Okay. And so my first question is, how did the pandemic affect you? Did that increase the business, decrease the business, or keep it on pause during the COVID? Yeah, we were in a really unique position because I've worked remotely and all of my businesses that I've had in the last 15, 20 years were all designed to be remote. So I've been working remotely way before it was necessary or cool. And that allowed us during the pandemic to be a big, big service to a lot of our clients who weren't in that position from the companies that we were producing shows for or books for or just who were in my network. I ended up doing a lot of talks with companies and their teams just pro bono to help them through and help them understand how to communicate in a remote work environment. So that was uh, something we were able to kind of pay forward during the pandemic. And then as for our own business, it increased our work. Uh, A lot of the publishing world of self-publishing, hybrid publishing, um, anybody who's in the side of publishing where it is independent authors. We saw a big uptick in business because people were out writing and finishing their books that they didn't have time to before. And they were also kind of faced with their own mortality. So people who hadn't thought about doing books before were suddenly in a position saying, damn it, I've got this book in me and I need to get this done. So the entire publishing industry saw an uptick during the pandemic and all the way through last year, 2023 has kind of come back down again to a different level. That's amazing. You're quite the pioneer in remote, obviously. But the next question is relating to the podcast business, right? You do something with podcasts. My question is, did that have the same growth, less growth, or more growth, the podcast versus the audible during the COVID years? I know that's a very specific question, but I am No, it's very specific. Yeah. Oh, no, I got it. And, uh, well, us in podcasting saw a huge uptick in listenership during the pandemic, particularly in younger demographics. And even my teenage kids, I would say, got way more into listening to audio in general. And there's been huge upticks in the 12-year-old to 25-year-old segment in podcast listening and in audiobook listening in the last three to five years. But in terms of our personal business, we saw a lot more growth on the audiobook side of things than we did on the podcasting side of things. But a lot of that has to do with, you know, depends on the market segment that you're in. And Tracy and I talk about this all the time because we're like CEO besties. So, uh, <laughs> we, you know, the, the <laughs> podcast industry itself is going through its own whole period of maturity as an industry itself. It's a very young industry and still, you know, finding kind of its, its way and its rhythm. Wow. That, that, that is interesting. So do you find that people that are doing the audio books are also doing podcasts or more people? You know, in other words, do you get a lot of people from the podcast business to go to the book or do you get more people to go from the book to the podcast? 
So let me explain the kind of the market segment that we're in because audiobooks can be fiction, nonfiction, and there's a you know huge amount of genres, and it's a multi-billion-dollar industry even just here in the U.S. And audiobooks have been in double-digit growth now for over ten years, year on year. So it's a massive industry, and our specific niche is in nonfiction audiobooks. And even more specific than that, we're known for being pioneers in the area of remote author narration. So this is where we kind of avoid having to go to a studio. We kind of avoid having to take on that extra expense and everything, but we still are able to direct our audiobook authors remotely and have them sound professional. So that's a very specific niche. And our podcast niche over the last several years has shifted from more of a corporate focus to more of that leadership focus that we work with day-to-day in our authors. So to get back to your original question, we have seen some corporate podcasting decrease a little bit because they are more risk-averse in the marketplace, whereas entrepreneurs and thought leaders and folks who own consultancies and things like that tend to be a bit more risk-tolerant. So we've seen, continue to see an uptick in those folks in, in working with podcasts. So it's, again, it's a little bit all, all over the place. Wow, that's interesting. And that's actually good for me because I have ADD, so I'm all over the place too. So that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will put that back down in my analysis, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen. don't tell a previous therapist that because then she's going to start getting, you know, yeah. Excuse me. If she starts listening to me, I'll be the full-time patient. So, I mean, you know, she'll be working full-time. She'll have to give up the podcast and the audio business just working with me. But anyway, back to the show. Well, tell me some more about that, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you I interview you on the show. You can interview me some other time. Maybe on your podcast. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's Do you have a podcast? You know, I have and have had several over the years because I like to experiment and I like to experiment with different formats, different uh, genres of podcasting. So we currently have uh, two shows. One is a monthly thought leadership podcast called Drink from the Well. And that is all different formats because we like to showcase what we can do with podcasting and it's pretty heavily produced. That's for uh, folks who identify as leaders who are kind of in that mid or advanced range in their leadership and looking for what's next. And then we also have a show that is launching on November 1st. That is a short form podcast and also a video podcast called Five Minute Advice for Authors. And that is all of our authors basically paying it forward, giving their own advice for other aspiring authors to help them on their journey. Wow. That's really good. So. I have to ask, and is this a profitable business? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, a non-profitable business is called a hobby, Peter. Yeah. Uh, that's, excuse me, that's probably half the podcast, people. That's why I ask. Ah, understood, understood. I mean, not too many people can actually make it from, okay, I got this hobby. You know, How many Joe Rogans are, out, are there out there? Not very many. You have to have a following. You have to have something to get going. So I do ask that question. So the next question I have is, so how many podcast people are you working with and how many Audible people are you working with and how many have you worked with since you started in 2015? So, okay, you know, Peter, what do you actually want to know? Because those numbers aren't actually going to tell the audience anything. 
Because they have no context. (laughs) How many podcasts have you worked with since you started? Oh, dear Lord. I couldn't even give you that number. Dozens. Dozens and dozens. Yeah. And do you have any idea on the number of books? Number of books. We're over, certainly over 300 at this point. So you're doing these podcasts and doing these books, but how do people, you know, I mean, do they go to Amazon? How does somebody that, if they did have an audio book, uh, how are they yeah. able to sell them? Well, this is part of how we advise our authors and advise the publishers that we work with, because we work with publishers as well as individual authors. And so we are able to advise them on different distribution channels, how it affects their royalties, you know, all of those things, because we're not just sitting there being audio engineers. We're also looking at the industry overall. And that's what makes us unique in the marketplace. In the first place is we're kind of this 360 full model of like, hey, let's look at this in terms of your business strategy as well, or your vocal branding, or you know, your, your creativity and what you want to pay forward as a legacy. But when it comes down to strictly into distribution, audible.com, which is a part of Amazon, the behemoth that is Amazon, holds 60% of the market share worldwide in audiobook listenership. The other 40% of the market is split up amongst probably 50 other companies. Although I will say that Spotify is coming for Audible's crown, but they've got a long way to go. They're early in the business. Now, is Audible a separate company or are they part of a conglomerate? They are part of Amazon. I don't know exactly the business relationship, but they are part of the same conglomerate company, yeah. And do you have any idea how how people can get on to Audible and to Amazon? Well, you can certainly reach out to, to us to do that, but there always is more than one path. You know, I always pride myself on transparency. You know, when I was a business coach, I'm still an advocate for people having the information. And I've never been one of those people who is going to release like, you know, seven secret keys to business success. Like that's crap as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> the short answer is that if you are an independent author, you are self-publishing, then you have basically two options to get your audiobook distributed. One is through the back end of Audible and Amazon, which is called the Audiobook Creation Exchange, or ACX.com. Or you can go through another company, which is they're kind of an OG in the audiobook world called FindAwayVoices.com. And FindAway has recently been acquired by Spotify, and that is the only place where you can go and get your book uploaded to Spotify at this time. But I will remind everyone that it's still a very small part of the market. And there's a lot of research that you should do before deciding on your distribution model because it does impact your royalties. But that's a whole other conversation. Tracy has some questions she wants to ask so that I'm not taking over the entire conversation. So go ahead. I mean, finally, I've only been back here just chomping at the bit. Well, first of all, thank you for calling me one of your studio besties because that's just personal. Yeah. It's a huge compliment. Thank you so much. And we're also, you know, we, we run parallel in a lot of ways with the production element. Obviously, Producer Podcast focuses on podcast production and you guys focus on audiobooks and podcast production. So one of the things I think you and I share in common is that we are constantly working with people to overcome their fear of their own voice or the sound of their own voice. I know for us, it always yes. kicks in when we oh. deliver their equipment to them. It's like, oh my God, this just got real. There's a microphone in front of me. 
Can you share like some of your experiences in terms of the questions that you get about that? And also like how do you address someone who has amazing content, but they're just scared of their employees? Hey, Tracy, I told this- you that in confidence. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really think you're scared of your own voice. I was, yeah, that's that's so you. You've been lying the whole show. What is wrong with you today? <laughs> oh, wait a second. I would be amazed. I would be amazed to hear that. But, you know, it is super, super common for people not to like the sound of their own voice because there's this weird disconnect when we hear our voice on a recording versus what it sounds like to us in our own heads. And it has to do with our skull structure. And um, it literally sounds different inside of our own head than in a recording to us. And it's one of the most common fears that human beings have is being heard. Public speaking is right up there with death in terms of, of fears. And if you look at the internet, you would not think that that was the case. But it actually is the case. And uh, when you give somebody a microphone and they're not, you know, like me, who was someone who kind of came out of the womb thinking that any flat surface was a stage, you know, there's a lot (laughs) there to overcome a lot of times. And this is where we get into something that I'd like to call vocal leadership. And it has to do with starting to become aware of not just the external voice that you are broadcasting, the physical instrument of your voice, but your internal voice or voices, as the case may be, that are coloring how your voice comes across to other people. And if people have a disconnect between these internal voices, the thoughts, the beliefs, the values, the judgment that we have of ourselves, and the external instrument that is your, the voice that people hear, what happens is we come across as less trustworthy, less credible, less believable. And on the end, the opposite is true. When we are congruent, when we are aligned, and there's research on this on a number of different vocal factors, we are more trustworthy according to the audiences and the people that we reach. So the power of voice is incredibly strong and something that we are hardwired to listen to, like we're hardwired to listen to stories. We are hardwired to listen to people's voices and sometimes internalize them as our own. And that's one of the reasons that I love audio and I love podcasting and audiobooks is because if you are the host or you are the narrator, you get this unique privilege of being a voice in somebody's head, quite literally. And it's really actually people underestimate the intimacy involved with that connection from the host of the podcast or the narrator of an audiobook. Because so many people focus on hundreds of thousands of downloads and got to get the numbers, but really underestimate the power of your voice connecting with one ear at a time. And I think that's where the authenticity, you, you know, there's so much talk around AI right now and bringing in AI and voice replication, oh, yeah. but there's really just nothing better than your authentic voice connecting with the person who is in need of the message that you're providing, right? Oh, completely. Uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of people out there who are, feel voiceless and maybe are voiceless in many ways, shapes, or forms. And, you know, if you're out there and you're looking to write a book or you're looking to tell your story, why our stories resonate with each other so much is because unlike Peter, most of us do have empathy. And this is, <laughs> as, as 
come, come calling back to the beginning of the show. And those, that empathy gets expressed through the stories and we can see and hear and feel each other inside of those stories and those voices. So that's what makes one of the things that makes it so very, very powerful. And we can kind of lend people the power of our voices until they find their own or, you know, we can help them, be, you know, have this inspiration as they find their own voice in the world. And I think there's a lot of power in overcoming your fears, too, and they're yeah. then being able to step into your own voice, knowing that the ripple effects of that, in a lot of ways, are immeasurable. And I think that's one of the other things that the storytelling is powerful, but being able to deliver your content with your voice is just another layer of credibility, I think, that adds to the strategy. So, Tina... We were really talking through using your voice and how connecting to that authenticity is really something that is imperative just for building an audience. But one of the things that we've really seen, you know, explode over the last few years has been this not, it's not just nice to have a content marketing strategy now for your business. It's, it's imperative to have a content marketing strategy for your business and podcasting and audiobooks are huge part of that, especially for coaches and consultants and speakers. What are some of the suggestions that you could give someone who's just starting out in terms of how to really efficiently integrate a good content marketing strategy? Content marketing doesn't have to be as complex as everyone thinks it needs to be. And I'll take social media as the top example because there's a lot of pressure to feel like you are everywhere all the time on social media. And sometimes social media is really important for growing your business. I would say that if you are a B2C brand, if you're you know, direct to consumer, you've got tremendous opportunity on social media platforms through ads, through organic conversations to build your brand, build an audience, build a following. And if you are B2B, like my company and like all my companies have been for the most part, then, you know, we certainly lean a little bit more towards LinkedIn. And, you know, depending on if you're a highly visual brand, then you're going to be looking at Pinterest, which is actually a much larger platform for, for business than most people realize. But coming back down to strategy, you really need to start with creating content based on what is natural for you and your company. Are you highly visual? Do you love audio? Would you rather be on video? Everybody's going to tell you something different, but if you're just starting out, you have to start with your lowest hanging fruit, what is most natural for you, what is going to be easiest for you to create high quality content. So please don't be swayed by people who say you have to be everywhere all at once. What's most important is that you are developing relationships in your business that are going to move the needle for you and you are focused on the goals that are going to produce the most results for you in the least amount of time. That's where your focus needs to be, and you can get pulled in so many different directions. But as you continue to grow and you have, you know, if you're starting out with thinking about how to get the word out, podcasting is fantastic, even if you don't have your own show. Being a guest on other people's podcasts is a great way to practice your interview skills, to build relationships and to have high-quality content marketing assets in the form of your interviews that then you can reutilize and repurpose either through the transcripts, through sound bites, through turning pieces of, of short video. You can repurpose a lot of those things because you're in this conversational format that, again, showcases who you really are. 
and your natural voice rather than potentially a presentation of some kind. So I think those are some good ways to get started. And, you know, certainly we can talk about the audiobooks as an asset as well, because that's an evergreen asset, just like books are an evergreen marketing asset to your business. Absolutely. And I think you know, back in, quote unquote, back in the day, it was really like, if you were wanting to speak on stages, you needed a book in the back of the room, right? So That's right. And now with the version of audio being truly a preferred pathway for content consumption right now, it feels like the audiobook and the podcast are basically like the new book in the back of the room, if you will, because you can leverage that book to really drive people to continue the conversation with you and explore your programs and your services and your offerings. And it also serves as a great content generation machine too. So how are you seeing people who want to get on more stages and, and be in front of more audiences, both virtual and person, how are you seeing them leverage their podcasts and, and or their audio books? Well, much like you said, it's a matter of deepening their credibility. when. People are looking for someone to be on their stage. They're looking for how many boxes kind of have they checked in terms of their own credibility. You know, who have they worked with? What other stages have they been on? Do they have a book? Do they have a show of some kind? What's the quality of their website? Who are they known by and recommended by? So it has a lot to do with building your, what we would call a platform and having a robust platform that allows you to have multiple ways for people to communicate with you. So I said before that you don't have to be everywhere, and that's true. However, sometimes you have to give the appearance of having been everywhere. And when you create longer form content, like a book, an audiobook, or podcast, that gives you more content to work with to then create the short form content that might go out in uh, YouTube shorts, social media posts, um, reels, et cetera. And you can kind of imagine it almost like a funnel, not like a sales funnel, but if you're creating longer form content and then chopping it up into smaller and smaller pieces. So I see a lot of folks taking their book and turning it into additional articles and blog posts or taking their audiobook and book and turning it into not even necessarily an ongoing podcast series, but a book companion podcast or a book club series, or you know, a monthly topic series that they can really dive deep into those additional topics that form the pillars of what they stand for and the things that they're looking to impart out into the world. So there's not, not just one way to do things. You really get creative and make use of your time and your budget and get the results you're looking for. Yes. So Kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, Tina, which was just fantastic insight. But a lot of what you were talking about was like in theory. And what I would love to share with the audience is that you've taken all of this out of theoretical possibilities and really put it into practice in your own business with an author series that you have coming up. Share with us the inspiration behind that. And then how can people participate in this amazing series that you're launching next week? Well, you know, one of the things that's really important to me and at at the core of our business, why we started it is that, you know, we all need more great voices, great information, great leadership in this world. And if my company could be a part of that, then that's what we want to do. So that's why we're, you know, getting these voices of these amazing folks through their books and podcasts out into the world. And so to further showcase 
that wisdom and pay it forward, we have a series launching on November 1st, which is going to be available on YouTube as well as all podcasting outlets like Apple Podcasts. And it's called Five Minute Advice for Authors. And every week you get just this lovely little bite-sized content of one of our authors, all of whom are deeply expert in their field, giving a little piece of advice for aspiring authors, for people who want to write a book, and also talking about a little bit of a nugget from their books that people that they want to impart to the world. So it's a really short form show. And we designed this so that we could actually bring our authors into deeper community with each other, as well as get more good advice out into the world about writing a book and elevate these voices for our authors. You know, we have a social media following of about 300,000. And why have that unless you're going to actually make, try to make a difference in the world? Yes. Well, we can't wait for you to share out the Ask Ryan podcast to that 300,000 person following <laughs> where you're you talking it. about the author. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, everyone, we are so excited to have Tina and on the show today. And the author series will be available on YouTube on demand and it will launch on the first. But I know there are people out there that want to continue this conversation with you, Tina. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? If they're listening right now or if they're listening on the podcast, what is the best way for people to connect with you after the show? Sure. You can just reach out to us through the website, which is twinflamesstudios.com. Or if you Google my name, Tina Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, I'm happy to say I show up as the first result on Google. Yeah, love a great SEO. With the podcast, everyone, if you are sitting in that crazy LA traffic and you weren't able to write any of that, information down, but you want to connect with Tina, know that you can find information all about her, links to her website, information on the author series, all in the show notes for the Ask Brian podcast. And of course, the reminder is that it is the Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N podcast. And you can find that wherever you are listening to your podcast on your favorite listener platform. That is Apple, Spotify, Pandora, all the places, all the things. And Katie, you've just been an amazing guest. Thank you so much. And really excited to learn more about and see your series become so successful. Can't wait for it to launch next week. Thank you. And thank you for making room for my ego on your show. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. It was hard with me to be on the show with you, but okay. (laughs) Anyway. Thank you very much. We actually probably have a follow-up with you because there was a lot more questions to ask and people wanted to get some information. Fortunately, the time period is over. So we're going to thank you very much again for appearing, Tina, and we appreciate We'll have you back on another show. But for right now, you listen to the Ask Brian Radio Show on CHS 1220 in 98.1 FM. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.